0: Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. On this excellent episode, we talk about a live stream that we were going to do for Julian Assange. And as of now, we've already done this live stream. So the great news is you can listen to the live stream, watch it at youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, it's youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And we will be releasing it as a podcast also. But just so you know, when we recorded this great episode with cornell west and lucy lawless and steven donziger we had not yet done the live stream for julian assange and now we have so you can find it at youtube.com slash the katie show thanks so much enjoy Hello, 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 hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. So glad to be with all of you tonight We have an amazing show for you. We have uh, joining us Stephen Donziger the human rights and environmentalist lawyer who has been persecuted and prosecuted by Chevron for daring to sue Chevron and win uh, For Chevron's poisoning of the water in the Ecuadorian Amazon we're also going to be joined by Lucy Lawless who is a fearless activist and of course actor and before that we're going to be joined by the inimitable Dr. Cornell West but before we bring on our guests I just got to say hi to, to Leslie Lee how's it going Leslie?
1: Oh it's going great so happy to be here as always on the Kay Hopper show huge huge uh, show tonight amazing guests as always uh, happy to be here
0: Yes. Great. We're happy to have you. And of course, people, you know, you can support the show for free. You just uh, hit the like while we're watching. It's free. You just hit the thumbs up. You can also, uh, of course, share the stream, you know, on social media, just put it out on Facebook, on Twitter, make sure people come by to catch these shows and also subscribe. And to do that, you hit subscribe and then you uh, do the bell. And that way you'll never miss any of these great shows if I do say so myself they're not just me so I can say that it's not just me on the camera. <laughs> oh amazing show amazing shows thank show, you, thank you Leslie and if you want extra um, bonus content please by all means become patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the katie helper show again that's patreon.com slash the katie helper show um leslie how are you this week
1: oh i'm doing great i'm doing great i'm happy uh to be here be back and and i did want to let your audience know uh, i am doing a regular call-in show on the call-in app a lot of people have been on that new app so you can find me on there as well leslie lee iii I, I. I have a show called culture where we talk about culture. So I would love to have you on uh Katie as a yeah. guest. We can talk about some of the TV shows that we don't get to talk about because on K- the Katie Helper show we're always talking about big news, but katie's always texting me, Oh, have you seen this? Oh, have you seen that? Maybe we can do an episode on Xena. I don't know.
0: Oh yeah. Still have you seen the I'm gonna say it. And I know what you're gonna say. Have you seen the killing?
1: No, I have not seen the killing yet. I'm very, very sorry about that. But you Michelle know Michelle Forbes. I know. Don't do
0: it for me. Do it for the love of Michelle Forbes.
1: Yes, but we know we know what we got to add to the docket, though. My wow. Life Is Murder now on Acorn TV, starring uh, Lucy Lawless.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely, we're gonna have to watch that. Let's binge watch that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, I want to just jump right into the into the show because it is jam packed um, with full of amazing guests uh and I want to make an announcement first though, and this is related to uh to our our beloved upcoming guest Cornell West and that is that Thursday so some of you may know coming full circle last week last Wednesday uh, Crystal Ball, Marianne Williamson, Brianna Joy Gray and I co-hosted a live stream that was for uh to free Stephen Donziger. now just saying that it happened to be the case that, the Monday after that happened, no, sorry, the morning after that happened, so we screamed on a Wednesday night, the thurs- that Thursday morning, Steven Donziger was allowed to serve out the rest of his sentence at home under house arrest with uh, an ankle monitor. And of course, it's, it's justice has not been done. Um, he shouldn't be serving any sentence. The people of Ecuador have not received a penny. So... While this this is huge news, I mean it's a lot more comfortable to serve out a sentence from your home with your family than it is from a prison. Um, but uh, that did happen the literally the day after our stream, <laughs> and we're doing something else again this week. We are doing a str- a live stream for Julian Assange, and that unfortunately Brianna Joy Gray is traveling for the holidays, or else she'd be there. But uh, Brianna Joy Gray. Um Marianne Williamson, Crystal Ball, and I are joining forces with Kyle Kalinsky, and we are doing a live stream for uh Julian Assange to free Julian assange and one of the people who w- wanted to come on that but couldn't make it was our follow the next guest, and so I decided that why not just have this extremely amazing guest who I want to have on my show um on and thus. Thus was born the Tonight Show uh, with Brother Dr. Cornell West. Hello, Dr. West.
2: Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. Brother Leslie, I salute you, you and your artistry and your courage. And you know you would, high quality Sister Katie. I'm peddling oh, you. Thank you, you so what much. A freedom, <laughs> She is. We're at St. Mark's Playhouse just a few weeks ago supporting our dear brother Julian Assange with the one and only Roger Waters, a towering artist that he is, Pink Floyd and thereafter. And our dear, dear brother, oh Randy Credico. We had a time with Katie. She's quite an artist, you know, at her comedy
1: oh you. yes absolutely I, I keep telling katie uh, she might have to leave this politics thing, and go back on stage she, stage. <laughs> she had a little mom's Maybly
2: in her she had a little phyllis diller <laughs> in her she had. i'm telling you it was a beautiful <laughs> thing and her blessed mother was there what amazing
0: yeah Nora yeah, and leslie big mutual <laughs> fans <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah well time. um Thank you so much for joining. And you were, of course, amazing at that, that night and speaking truth to power, which you're so excellent at doing. Um, wanted to know why Julian Assange is important to you, why his story, why his fate, why his treatment is important to you and something that you've championed yourself.
2: I think anybody who has a commitment to truth and the condition of truth is to allow suffering to speak ought to be not just committed to Brother Julian, but the principles that he stands for. What we are witnessing is the criminalizing of basic journalistic practices. We are witnessing the prosecuting of a journalist who has simply exposed lies and told truths about crimes of the American empire. And an empire... You know, it it, it believes it can say and do anything without accountability. So so you You get Biden on the one hand sitting up there at the summit of democracy and Brother Clinton on the other secretary of state talking about we believe in free press. Quit lying. You don't believe in free press. You believe in free press relative to your interests, relative to your power. Just be honest about it. You can be hypocritical, don't be gangster. I mean, the least thing you could do is be candid in that regard. And the sad thing really is, where's the New York Times? Where's the Washington Post? Where's the LA Times? Where is the journalistic establishment that claims to have commitments to freedom of press, claims to be libertarian? Because I believe libertarian sensibilities are very real for everybody, not just my friends. If this were a New York Times reporter... The world would be coming to an end. But no, they can use an old relic like the Espionage Act, and we're talking about the Obama administration. We're talking about the black face of the American empire with all those smiles and poise and so forth, smashing, truth-telling. We want to be honest about this. Then we get a gangster Trump. He does the same thing. Now we get Biden. He does the same thing. Oh, we see this is structural and institutional, not just personal. No matter who's head of the empire, they don't want truths to be revealed. And there's a direct connection between lies and crimes, mendacity and criminality. And all we, we say is allow the truth to be put forward and allow the truth tellers to be free. That's all. And this is true across the board. Actually, it cuts across ideology. I mean, if they were doing this to right-wing folk, who would expose the truth, they ought to be free, too. Right. You know what I mean? If Tucker Carlson disclosed the crimes of the American empire in killing innocent people with drones, I'm going to support that brother, even though I'm agreeing with him about 2% of the time. It's a matter of principle here. But unfortunately, most substantive journalism in America is dead. Thank God for the Katie Alpern show. Amy Goodman show. I mean, we got a few of them, you know what I mean? We got a few of them that's still trying to be real about this thing, you know. The Tim Blacks and Ben Dexton's and Black Agenda Reports and, and so forth. Still some truth tellers out there. Basic journalism, mainstream journalism coming out of so many of these universities, dead. It's just Well adjusted to injustice, well adapted to the indifference of the precious human beings who were being killed, especially the innocent ones by U.S. drones in the name of the American people. How sad. How sad.
0: And by the way, Mar- Margaret Kimberly, who you mentioned, you mentioned the Black Agenda report. She's going to be joining us on Thursday night also. Oh, great. So, oh, yeah, yeah, Margaret Kimberly. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting you mentioned the right wing, left wing, bipartisan nature of this because something we're doing on this stream on Thursday is actually having guests from both sides of the aisle because uh, liberals certainly aren't talking about it. You have people, some people on the right, some people on the left talking about it. And so we're going to have um Glenn Greenwald's going to be on. Sagar and Jetty's going to be on. It'll be a really interesting, I think, meeting. And
1: you
2: call at the National Press Conference in June, we were with Brother Julian Assange's precious father and brother. Yeah. None of the press would show up.
0: Right. None. Yeah. One, and
2: we had Brother uh, Blumenthal was there.
0: Max Blumenthal, uh, yeah, friend of show. Brother
2: Max. And then, we, of course, Brother Randy was there. He, he's consistent freedom.
0: Right. Everybody. Also going to be on the show. Yeah. And he'll and, be on
2: the show as well.
0: And Gabriel Shipton, who is um Julian's brother, and um also Stella Morris, who is Julian's fiance, will also be on the show. And I pre-taped with Daniel Ellsberg. He he did a great interview on that. So brother Ellsberg.
2: Oh, that's another grand truth teller, freedom yeah. fighter, putting his body on the line. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So it's really shocking because during the Trump administration, what we saw in the newspapers was democracy dies in darkness. There's nothing more important than subscribing to the New York Times. And you have this clear case where you have. A consistency as you said between multiple administrations democrats and republicans it seems like if the media was serious about their statements even about themselves they would be all over this because they could say like we're standing up to every single politician out there who are united uh in suppressing this truth that we all published like the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh the UK newspaper The Guardian, they the Guardian. The Eagle, the yeah, yeah, they all the used this material. They published that's it. Exactly. It was it was on TV, it was on CNN, it was on ABC. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right though, brother. What
2: you say is so true. I mean, I think the sad thing is is that the uh, um you know, the neo-fascists are escalating every day, you know, to voter repression and uh, the gerrymandering and the, uh, the lies being institutionalized over time. But so much of the neoliberal establishment is actually contributing to that kind of vicious movement because they're losing their legitimacy. They're losing their authority. And all they can do is assert sheer Force and power—that's what happens when you lose your legitimacy and authority. All you have is just coercion and force left, and that's what you have in the case of Brother Julian. It's just U.S. power. It's U.S. imperial force. He's in jail right now. Another Christmas, my dear Brother Julian. Another Christmas, because the American Empire tells UK keep him there. There's no 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 crimes committed, shown to be committed, or anything. Keep him there for us, and bring him back, and then let us do to him what we have done to so many other whistleblowers. You see, that's that's, that's how you lose your legitimacy as a neoliberal authority. Neo-fascists don't even worry about it; authority. they just gangster dead up. But if you're if you're committed to truth, you have to pull the veil. Over the neoliberal authority, even as you expose the raw force of the neo-fascists, we're living in an escalating neo-fascist moment, and neoliberal hypocrisy is contributing to it. And this is a grand example of it.
0: And I can't get over the fact that Biden. I mean, I keep making this point with. I mean, I don't need to make the point to you, Dr. West, that Obama is mighty, mightily pro- problematic. But even Obama realized that he couldn't prosecute, he didn't didn't want to indict Julian Assange, among other reasons, probably mostly because of the New York Times problem, right? Which is that if you go after Assange for for doing what he did, you'd have to go after these reputable, uh, you know, quote unquote reputable WMD pushing, WMD theories pushing uh, outlets like the New York Times and the Washington Post. Um, But, you know, Obama decided not to indict Assange. Trump who I thought Obama disliked. Sorry, well, I thought both. I thought Biden disliked. I thought Biden ran against Trump. Trump is the one who decided to indict Assange with at Pompeo's urging. And we now know that they tried they the CIA discussed plans to kill him, to kidnap him. I mean, any any de- any justice department or president with a sense of decency would be running away from this case, not pursuing it. And they're just they have they are Full, you know, pedal to the metal, uh, trying to basically, I think, trying to do everything they can so that he dies behind bars.
2: I mean, I think you got a strong case. You know, we we hate to have to use this kind of uh, language, but you got a strong case because you know, uh, like his health is getting weaker. He's been so strong. You all know, I was able to meet my dear brother when he was in the uh, embassy in London had wonderful dialogue with him, and just told him that the uh, you know the legacy of Martin King and Malcolm X and Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker uh, uh, is it's tied to what he's doing. Uh, he, he's not a perfect person. No one of us is perfect. But what he has done as a journalist is to expose lies and crimes and try to tell the truth. And that's a major contribution. I have stoned. Ida B. Wells Barnett and uh, uh, Seymour Hersh. I mean, we have traditions of journalists who try to tell the truth and who put their necks out and their bodies on the line and doing it.
0: Chris Hedges, who just wrote an amazing oh, piece. Oh, uh, brother yeah. Chris. Uh, yeah. he,
2: in fact, I don't even call him journalist anymore because he left journalism. Right. You know I mean? he, he's a grand uh, historian and, and, and just grand intellectual in that way, but he keeps showing the ways in which journalism, for the most part, is uh, is dead. And I think he's right about that.
0: Yeah. And w- can you tell us um, about what it was like meeting with Assange?
2: Well, we had a good time. We had a good time. You know, we gave him a big hug and sang some songs to him. You know, I'm, I'm bringing the Black musical tradition, the greatest tradition in the modern world of you know, artistic creativity, spiritual fortitude, and moral courage. So we had to have some songs up it, there. And I, well, I was singing in tune, and that's a different question. <laughs> but it was coming from the soul. And uh, and I was just telling him we're just going to do all we can in the name of truth. He says, it's not a personal thing. People engage in ad hominem attacks on my brother. Ad hominem attacks can be launched on any of us. But we're talking about the principles that he's standing for, the actions, his deeds that reveal the crimes and so forth. And that's what we were talking about. And I was telling him that... Uh, Though he may have very little reason to be optimistic, that as black folk, we ain't never been optimistic. We're prisoners of hope. And hope is qualitatively different than optimism. Talk about Curtis Mayfield, keep on pushing. He understood what I was talking about. That's not optimism. That's hope, you're holding on the integrity, you're holding on the vision, you're holding on the memories of your grandmama and your granddaddy and freedom fighters who came before. That's what hope is. It's concrete, it's fleshified, it's on the ground. He said, oh, I see what you're saying, Brother West. I said, yeah, my brother. Down under in Australia. Y'all understand the BGs ain't no joke. Y'all
1: understand <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah,
2: so. Lord, you listen to a little How Deep Is Your Love. You say, ooh, Bee Gees, y'all got a little delphonic. You got a little dramatics. You got a little whispers. You got some enchantment. You got a little, yeah, that, that human connection through the art. And brother Leslie, Lucy, thank God, brother Stephen, his courage coming up on the show. I want to salute him. But the artists are the vanguard of the species that they they disclose to us what it is to authorize an alternative reality through vision. And the uh, uh, and when I when I talked to my dear brother Julian, it was very much about the arts, it was very much about uh, how you hold on to alternative visions because what the American empire is saying to us is to keep journalists so scared and intimidated and afraid, none of them want to step forward and tell the truth. To keep the citizens so afraid, none of them want to step forward to tell the truth. Well, that's what they try to do with black people for 400 years. You better not step out of line. We're going to make sure that you are afraid all the time. And some of us say, no, we're free already in our hearts and minds and so. That's what George Clinton said, that free your mind and something else will follow. So as long as our minds and spirits are free, all you can do is kill us. That's all you can do is kill our bodies. Hey, that ain't enough. We still free. We're going to speak our minds, sing our song, bear our witness, and pass it on to the next generation. That's what I was telling Brother Julian. I can see that smile sent me in, and that was what, about two-thirds. 2013, 14, something like that. And uh, we've been saying the same thing to him, but not just him, but all of the great whistleblowers and freedom fighters, not just in the American empire, all around the world, all around the world, these structures of domination and mechanisms of oppression need to be resisted with style and a smile.
0: And um, just wanted to ask you because you're here, First of all, thank you for what you just said. Everything you're saying is so moving and so right on. Uh, what are you working on next or now?
2: Right now, you know, I've got the GIFT of lecture that I'm giving, University of Edinburgh in Scotland, which is, you know, these prestigious lectures that John Dewey and William James and Alfred North Whitehead and others have given. And so I've, I'm really, uh, I'm not really underground because I'm still very, very much alive and so forth, but I'm, I've got to write a big manuscript and give these uh give these lectures now, you know. But the important thing is free, Brother Julian, in the name of freedom of press, in the name of democratic determination of everyday people, in the name of truth, justice, and I would add beauty and other revolutionary Christian, the holy.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much. Thank you um, so much. This has been amazing. Um, I know that Lucy Lawless wanted to meet you. Can can you guys can you guys do a high and bye?
2: Oh, sister Lucy and B and B and her
3: artistry too.
4: <laughs> Hello, Lucy.
3: Yeah, yeah that's such you. an honor, honestly, Dr. West. Your um you you your your name and your um Spirit and your message has made it all the way to New Zealand. So, so Ooh. if I know who you are, you're really th- <laughs> 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 you're a famous thinker and uh, a freedom fighter. Thank, Thank
2: you. God we know who you are and your work is oh. a course for such good, though
3: very much so. I'm being- proud to be alongside you all. Oh wow,
0: and. Also, someone just put, gave a very generous donation, Landrew Landrew, um, and suggested Cornell twenty twenty four. So I guess you have a presidential <laughs> run ahead of you. <laughs> but I'd feel for your safety.
2: Always on the run for truth and beauty and goodness and the holy. i forever. I vote for that. Yeah, yeah that's right. The Gap well, Band then, say, "Keep on running, keep on running." <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much. Um, and I know Stephen wanted to meet you, but, you know, you got to, what is it? You snooze, you lose. <laughs> so we can't keep Brother <laughs> Cornell all a night. Lesson.
2: Get a yeah, set eyes on you, brother.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Wonderful to speak with you. Thank you so much.
2: Indeed, salute the work you're doing, though, man. <laughs> the younger generation, too? <laughs> yeah, it, really. No, it yeah. makes a difference.
0: Well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Cornell. Um, and uh, we will see you next time. I'd love to have you back on. We have so much to talk about. I, Leslie, we should do a Black and Jewish pop culture segment. Oh, absolutely.
2: With, with love that'd be deep. Little Stephen Sondheim and Barbara Streisand with, with Curtis Mayfield and Aretha.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Let's do Ooh, it. That's deep. That's deep. Sister Katie, love you. Love you. Take
0: love you. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well that's very very wow. cool
3: very yeah.
0: cool isn't that cool i mean both i both it's cool for everyone involved this is such a great show tonight i mean uh, our guests are just amazing leslie i see you grinning ear to ear let me introduce you. do you want to introduce our guest yes
1: absolutely okay you may know her from xena warrior princess or ash versus evil dead or Battlestar galactica They are an actor and an activist currently starring in My Life is Murder on Acorn TV, currently in season two. Lucy Lawless, thank you so much for joining us on the Kay Halper Show.
3: What a pleasure. Lovely to know you, Leslie. And And of course, course to me, you are
0: all of those things as well as a fearless activist and champion uh, environmental activist. Uh, fearless champion for the environment and for the uh, indigenous people of Ecuador, who, as we know, have had their water poisoned. And um, that's how, why we're having both you and Stephen Donziger on tonight yeah. a, to talk about this. I think he's getting his camera set up, but I'm very happy to have you uh, some alone time with Lucy uh, well, before we get sure. the
3: big guy. Shall I set the scene for the people that, Uh, because I went to meet the people of Lago Agrio. So just for those who who weren't on the other night, um, sorry if I'm repeating myself, but this is who Stephen's fighting for. So I travelled these four and a half hours from the main city over the foothills of the Andes into tropical, um, the the Oriente, so the, you know, the eastern part of the province. And it's the beginning of the Amazon. And this is where... uh, uh texaco who are now texaco chevron um set up a city to uh build all the the pipes and the planning, the architecture for the infrastructure for uh extracting oil and then pumping it back so you see these ugly pipes are running all along the road for just as far along every road you know there's these massive pipes right and um and In order to save money at $3 a barrel, they decided that they would just, let's not line the pits for all this carcinogenic waste. Let's just pour it into the jungle. And then when those pits were filled, they just hosed it straight into the rivers. Well, this is where these people have been, you know, drinking and fishing and and, um, growing their crops for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, right? They didn't need oil jobs because the land sustained them. Their lives were perfectly delightful before oil came along, and now their lives are hell. So we've all benefited from, um, you know, burning their oil and causing massive climate change. That's another side of the story. But what has been left to them is land that will grow nothing you dig down three feet and there's basically diesel sandy kind of this poisonous loam no plant with roots deeper than two feet will grow there so plant sort of these inhospitable grasses might have grown over some of this area but it's absolutely um it cannot sustain any kind of crops you cannot uh, fish use fish farms there. You know they've been doing that for a really long time. They're really good at it, um, and now they can't they can't drink. They can't bathe. They are catching water. But nevertheless, even though they're using rainwater to drink with, I met two young women who, at thirteen years old, developed um, lymphatic cancer. Um, you know the one of the mothers has stomach cancer. There's uterine. There's it, skin cancers, there's um, nervous system disorders. Kids are being born um, with horrible skin conditions. And this is all from the water that is, or from exposure to um, the oil and the contaminants which are in the soil. And eating any food which may grow there, I, I, I can't imagine that they how they manage that. But um, nevertheless the cancer rates are off the charts, right? And these people, you go and you, I met this young woman with lymphatic cancer and she's now 19. And you think, wow, this girl's right out in um, this impoverished land and, and she's, um, you know, not doing well. But, and she tells you, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm doing great in poli-sci at um, the university in Quito. But when she's sick, you imagine this, you've got a 13-year-old daughter who's really sick and how the hell are you going to get four and a half, five hours over the foothills to a clinic? You know, these people are thumbing lifts while going through chemotherapy, for example. It's so inhumane what has been dealt out to them and the fact that uh, Chevron will not even pay for the cleanup because this settlement of $9.5 billion will barely cover the cost of remediation. No money goes to the people who have already lost family members. No money goes to that those two young women who want to be poli students, for example, and um, just need to get through this chemotherapy in and hope that they have a normal life expectancy. But um, these people have all the potential that our children have and it's been taken away from them because Chevron wanted to save three bucks per barrel in not lining these pits. It would have been bad enough had they left lined pits, but the fact that they just uh, allowed it to enter the um, the water table and poison these people f- in perpetuity uh, with no compunction and no penalty is absolutely appalling. Everybody should be appalled. So these are the people that Stephen went to fight for. No, And... Um, yeah so far not one single penny because has been paid to those people because it's much easier and arguably more fun for these psychopaths to go after the lawyer than to pay the penalty to pay the judgment against them well thank
0: you lucy for all that you've done and we're going to bring in the person who you just mentioned great um and uh but that was a very moving. Thank you for going there. Also, I wish more people use their voice.
1: To yeah, that's amazing that you that. actually went there to see for yourself. Yeah. That's really uh, inspiring. Yeah, um,
3: Stephen yes, said, "Do you want to go?" He said, "I'll hook you up." Awesome. Let's. I'm available next Tuesday. Let's go.
0: Speaking of Stephen, here we have him. Stephen Donziger, human rights and environmentalist uh, attorney who has been prosecuted, literally it's been a corporate prosecution and persecution by Stephen Donziger um, at at the hands of Chevron because Stephen Donziger's crime was successfully suing Chevron for poisoning the water of the Ecuadorian Amazon. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, I think if Brother Cornell, I see him, I don't want to blow up his spot, but if he can come back for a second to say hello, I'll bring him on. I know that Stephen wanted to meet uh share the stage with Cornell.
2: Absolutely. There you oh, are. the yeah. party. so honored just to be in the presence of these two freedom fighters. Now, of course, we know Brother Leslie and Sister Kate. But, oh, I wish I could write a song for both of you all, the work you're doing for the precious one. Well, I'm just going to sit here and listen. Sit
0: Lucy, something else that Lu- Lucy has in her very impressive um, resume, biography. she's also a singer and musician. So maybe you guys can collaborate.
3: Yeah, yeah bring, <laughs> it. Some point. bring it. Bring <laughs> it. we
2: are doing a little morbid round.
3: I'm coming. <laughs> you be careful. You be careful what you say to me. I <laughs> need to show up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As we saw with Ecuador, she shows up. So, Stephen and Stephen, welcome back. Um, You are serving the rest of your prison sentence at home. Do can you update viewers, listeners um, about where you're at right now in your historic struggle?
5: Sure, Katie. Thanks for having me. And Lucy, it's great to to see you. Thank you for your great work on behalf of the people of Ecuador. Your support of me and my family. Um, And going to Ecuador and Dr. West, it's an honor. I've admired you for so long. And I, I just, I mean, your courage and your ability to speak truth to power and tell Harvard to just go stick it like you recently did. I have to tell you, I have great admiration for you for so many reasons. And Katie, your support has been awesome. So um, the the latest on my end is I got out of prison last Thursday on a emergency furlough, prison being Danbury which is a federal prison in Danbury, Connecticut. I serve 45 days in prison of a six-month sentence, so I'm going to be here in my house serving the rest of my sentence um, until April 25th. I believe I should not be serving one day. I think this is a complete corporate um, maneuver to try to silence me and others who have gone after Chevron for committing a terrible human rights crime in Ecuador that's killing people, indigenous peoples and others as we speak, as Lucy just attested to. Um, but nevertheless, I'm happy to be home with my family. Obviously, it's far better than being in prison. I do feel and the pain of, of my brothers left behind in Danbury. I met some incredible people. The place is teeming with humanity and with impulses that are positive. Um, despite what is really uh, an environment that's intended really to brutalize human beings and keep them quiet and keep them warehoused. Um, so I feel my, the people I've left behind, the Patel brothers, D block fats, rail rabbi, Ruben, you know, Tommy, um, Neff, I, I met some incredible people. And even though I was literally the only person convicted of a misdemeanor in the entire prison, 900 people, um, I was protected, welcomed, loved by so many people. And, you know, it was just an extraordinary experience, challenging on so many levels. Um, You know, as a relatively privileged American, I got a taste of the other side of the fence. Um, I don't want to go back. I didn't like it, but there are parts of it I love. It's sort of hard to explain. I'm um, um, here now, again, in my home. Um, there's two ways, by the way, my home detention can end. One is the Court of Appeals in New York has the right to overturn this conviction. I hope they do. I think this is a, you know, a, a case that is illegitimate for many reasons, one of which is I was not prosecuted by the U.S. government. The U.S. government refused to prosecute me. I was prosecuted by a private law firm that had Chevron as a client, a flagrant conflict of interest. You know, as many problems as the United States justice system has, I've never seen a private corporate prosecution before, before my case. We can't let it get that far. We can't let that happen again. So, um, you know, the court needs to act, needs to act as soon as possible. I should not be confined to my home for a day longer. By the way, I've already been confined in my home for 813 days prior to trial on a misdemeanor unprecedented in U.S. history. There's never been anyone who spent even one day confined prior to trial. So this is a complete corporate attack on me by Chevron and two judges who, in my opinion, were doing Chevron's bidding and abusing their power in doing so. So if the Court of Appeals reverses, I'm out. It's over. We win. Um, You know, and also I'll point out the United Nations Working Group on Arbitrary Detention in September issued an extraordinarily important decision calling on the U.S. government to release me immediately and to pay me compensation for the arbitrary deprivation of my liberty as retaliation for my human rights work on behalf of the people of Ecuador. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a state that I've never honestly felt before. You know, I fought my whole life as a lawyer for people, for human rights. Um, Tried to do it quietly, you know, get results for individual clients. And this thing just blew up to a point where I've become this, I think this symbol of something much larger and it's dangerous, which is again, uh, attempts by the United States government, the judiciary and corporations to, to, silence those who do the critically important frontline environmental justice work to save the planet, to help people, to help indigenous peoples. Um, And it's a playbook. It's a new playbook. They executed it against me, you know, moderately successfully. I mean, I am out. They wanted me to be in longer, but they did achieve some degree of success and we have to really notice it, pay attention, put a pin in it and make sure we do the things to prevent it from happening again to anybody else.
0: I mean, yeah, you've, you've been disbarred for one thing, your, the judgment has not been paid. Uh, I mean, I'm so happy for you and your family that you are able to serve this sentence at home. Uh, That should not be, you know, made light of. It's an incredible, amazing accomplishment, but it is scary because it's also, you know, you shouldn't be serving anything. You're the people of Ecuador should not have to wait for the compensation, which as uh, Lucy pointed out is is, not, is nothing. It doesn't bring back any, I mean, you can never bring back lost lives, but it doesn't pay for any of the, it's not even for damages, it's for cleanup, right?
5: Um, well, that's ex- it's an important point. I mean, just so you know, the case was first filed in U.S. courts that included, you know, cleanup monies and individual compensation for those injured. When Texaco then Chevron fought to move it to Ecuador because Ecuador didn't have a class action mechanism in its procedural law we had to drop 50 percent of the case we had we had to drop the whole part that had to do with personal injury and it just became a case for collective environmental cleanup which is what the 10 billion dollars would be used for and as lucy pointed out it's really even though it might sound like a lot of money it's really a pittance compared to the magnitude of the damage um bp for example for a, a less impactful albeit still terrible oil spill that was an accident in the Gulf of Mexico, the Deepwater Horizon spill, they paid out almost $70 billion. This is one seventh of that. And it's the Amazon rainforest, 1500 square mile area, um, affecting tens of thousands of people. So Chevron needs to pay this bill and quit focusing on Steve Donziger and focus on its legal and moral and ethical responsibilities to people at harm. That's really what we're urging And, you know, there's been a lot of attention paid to me. And as I said, we need to understand what's happening to me. It's important for a democracy, for our country to understand it and again, not let it happen again. But we can't use me as a distraction to what the real issue is here, which is the people of Ecuador and the fact that a major American oil company deliberately polluted their lands, their ancestral lands for 25 years, dumped billions of gallons of cancer-causing toxic waste into the water they were drinking from, and the problem is still going on, and they have done nothing about it, despite the fact they lost a court case, ordering them to pay cleanup. That is the issue. Chevron committed crimes in Ecuador against indigenous peoples and farmer communities, and they are refusing to comply with court orders to pay damages. The issue is not Stephen Donziger.
1: Do you, uh, Stephen, do you know about how much they profited from their Ecuador operation over those 25 years?
5: We estimate around $25 billion. Uh, but now they, they have, still
3: are, right, Stephen? They still are because Texaco's been folded into Chevron. They're still benefiting from those oil res- extraction points today, correct?
5: Well, so, so they operated there from 1964 to 1992. Okay. They were in a, cons- they were the exclusive operator. They they ran 400 different well sites. They had a partner in Ecuador state oil company and they split the profits, but um, Texaco was the sole operator and designed and engineered a system to pollute. It was their responsibility and their, you know, their design and their execution. Um. So and they made a lot of money and and, but what they really did is a lot of that profit was blood money. I mean, think about it. They took resources on the lands and underneath the soil of indigenous groups, took it out against their will and marketed it to the world and made enormous sums of money while leaving behind literally billions of gallons of cancer-causing oil waste on these lands and in the waterways that these groups had used for thousands of years to prosper. You know, the money was taken illegitimately and it's owed to the people from whom it was taken, in my opinion. And even though the court hasn't gone quite as far as what I just described, the court has ordered a significant transfer of funds for cleanup. And honestly, you know, that amount of money, $10 billion would have no material impact on Chevron's bottom line. I mean, this is a company that grosses $250 billion a year. You know what they're trying to do is screw the people of Ecuador and send a message to any community out there that has to pay the cost of being polluted by them that, that if you go after them legally, you know, they're, as they said, in our case, they're going to fight till hell freezes over and then fight it out on the ice. I mean, it's literally what Chevron's lawyer said. And they're trying to send a message of intimidation to lawyers and communities around the world who might even think about suing them and taking them on. That's really the bigger issue here, because they could obviously afford to pay $10 billion, you know, so. They're looking at they know they have this problem in lots of different countries around the world. And the last thing they want is to write a check for cleanup to the people of Ecuador and then other communities in other countries like the United States, Nigeria, Peru and, and you know China. There's so many countries around the world that are suffering because of Chevron's pollution. Not only Chevron, other fossil fuel companies, but really Chevron is one of the worst. They are trying to take a real strong stand with this case to discourage other lawsuits around the world.
0: And we I know and I so appreciate how you, this, you're not making this about Stephen Donsner. You're making this a larger story about the people of Ecuador and about the corporate uh, greed, deadly, lethal, fatal corporate greed. Um, but as a kind of teachable moment, um, because for activists and organizers out there, do you know why you were released um, allowed to serve your sentence at home? Was it because it was just inconvenient, too much pressure, bad PR for the prison? Do you know what was behind their thinking?
5: I can speculate. I don't know how or why I was released. Honestly, it's a mystery to me. Um, there's a law passed by Congress called the CARES Act in 2019 in response to COVID, and it allows anyone 60 years of age or older. Um, who has some sort of vulnerability to COVID to be released to home confinement after serving 25% of their sentence, as long as the crime is not one of violence. So, just by chance, I turned 60 years old in September of this year. Wow, so, Um That was the legal authority that allowed them to release me early. However, I'll point out that in the prison in Danbury, you know, because I talked to so many prisoners, you know, who, really should be out of there. I mean, I'm talking about people who've served five, 10, 15, 20 year sentences, clearly rehabilitated, um, who were not released under this authority. So why was I released? And, you know, maybe it's because they didn't want me there. You know, I think I was getting a lot of letters from around the world, Amnesty International had issued an urgent action bullets. And I was literally, literally got hundreds of letters when I was in um, I was getting legal visits. Uh, people knew about me, you know, live you guys, streams. You're, live you're streams. Li- exactly your live stream that you guys did. I mean, they, you know, they, they watch this stuff and look, if I'm an administrator in Danbury, I'm like, you know, first of all, the day I walked in there, people were like, what are you doing here? We never seen anyone. I'm like talking about lieutenants, guards, people who processed me and were like, this is weird. And I think there was sense in the prison that this was what it appeared to be, which was an act of vengeance by a corporation acting through two federal judges, because a first time offender, let's assume I'm, I'm guilty, I believe I'm in a... Cell. For
0: argument's sake. For yeah. argument's
5: sake. You still don't put someone who's a first time misdemeanor nonviolent offender, a lawyer no less, I mean whatever, that probably sounds kind of funny, but I mean, lawyers by our justice system.
0: Yes, for better or for worse, get different treatment, right?
5: You don't put them in prison. You sentence them to probation, home confinement, et cetera. So the people in the prison clearly thought this was bizarre. And I think that they behave professionally. You know, I don't think I got any special favors. I actually think they looked at the act and were like, There's no reason this gentleman needs to be here. We can maintain our custody of him at home. It's safer for him at home. It's, there's no reason we need to use up a bed. The prison, by the way, was really overcrowded. That's another point. Um, And I think they made an appropriate decision based on their policies.
0: What was the food like? Because I know that, um, I don't remember if you said this on a podcast, uh, said this to to someone, I'm. Yeah. What was, how was, what was it eating like there?
5: Terrible. Well, 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 (laughs) what do you think? I'll give you, I mean, I, I I was, look, it's prison. You lost some
0: weight there, right?
5: Yeah. It's prison. I don't expect great food, Um, but I don't expect scraps. Um, Look, the food, there was not enough food. That's the bottom line. It kept everyone on edge. And the system in prison was kind of just super weird in this sense. Like you couldn't get enough food. So everybody's like always a little bit hungry. And then once a week, they let you go to the commissary to buy your own food with your own money at prices that are at least 30, 40 percent above what you would get in a retail store. Like high prices that the prison then takes the profits uh, from the inmates who buy food because they're hungry because they can't get enough food in the chow hall. Um, and uses that money to fund stuff that should be funded normally, you know? So, and, and also in the commissary is mostly junk food and, and not healthy. I, I couldn't get a vegetable for 45 days other than on one occasion, someone brought me a carrot from the kitchen and it was a big carrot and I nursed it for 10 days. I take like two bites a day of the carrot. And I, I I'm, I like to eat healthy. Um, I couldn't get vegetables. Um, there's no lettuce. There's no salad. Um, and the, when they would serve vegetables, they were all like out of a can, like industrial cans of green beans and just overcooked. And it was tough, man. The, the, the diet is really bad. And I did lose a significant amount of weight.
1: Yeah. Steven, you mentioned some of the stories you have of the other inmates. Could you uh, share a few of those? Who were some of the people you met in there?
5: wow um i would say as a general matter everyone i met had a story that made me feel they were being dealt with unjustly okay and i'm talking about people who openly admitted to committing crimes who had sentences that were insanely long that in canada would be like three years and in the united states is like 20 years i saw this constantly and you know to give you One example, I'll give you a couple. I mean, you know, one is there were these two Canadians there, brothers, who um, they had MBAs. They had run a a business based in Montreal um, that was somewhat competitive with PayPal. It was like a, 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 a payments, online payments business, and they were very successful And they ran afoul of licensing authorities in California because they relied on a partner there. The license to do what they did got withdrawn. They didn't know it. They kept doing it. And the feds went after them for violating this really obscure statute about doing financial transactions without a license, which in a normal country would be a civil penalty. They got three years in prison, three years in prison. And that's sort of on the bottom end. Then there were people literally with 30, 35 year sentences in my low security prison. Give me an example. Literally in the cell next door to me was a young man who had spent, he was 37, and he had spent 18 years of his life in prison from 19 to 37. And he had about another 10 or 12 years left. Huh. He was convicted of murdering somebody at age 19 in a small town as part of a gang, it was a gang murder. And he told me his whole story and he basically was like a scared kid. He was a member of a gang. Someone threatened to kill him. He felt like he would get killed unless he killed this person. And he did, you know, now, obviously that's a heinous crime, but you know, after 17 years, I can tell you, this is one of the most kind rehabilitated people possible. I would trust him with my own kids. Okay. He does not need to spend another 10 plus years in prison. He's been there 17 or 18 years and he should get out, you know, and, but he and others can't get access to lawyers. There's no copy machine. Like if you want to file a motion for yourself, like say a motion for compassionate release, which a lot of people are filing now because of COVID, you have to like write it out by hand. And you, you know, to submit a motion properly, you got to give copies to the court, to the prosecutors. You know, you got to make copies. There's no copy machine that works. It's been down six months. And people can't file motions. And they're desperate to engage in legal advocacy to get out from these long sentences, and they can't get lawyers. And I was talking to Marianne Williamson the other day, and I'll say the same thing to you, Katie. I'm calling on Yale Law School, which is very close to this prison. Mm -hmm. The students at Yale Law School, supervised by professors, need to establish a clinic in this prison to help these men deal with the most basic motions so they can get out. Why is Yale Law School not have a clinic at the Danbury prison? I'm, I'm questioning that. And Yale. Does
0: Harvard have one? Does Harvard have a clinic near where they are?
5: Harvard has a prisoner's rights clinic. I mean, There you
0: go. That's how you're going to get Yale to do it. <laughs> Harvard has a clinic, fam. Yale this family. Is,
5: this is a crazy story. So I had this lawyer, Jan Little. She works with Kecker Van Ness in San Francisco, who had helped me in a case years ago. And she wrote me a letter. She says, when I was at Yale Law in the 70s, we had a clinic at the Danbury Prison. She's like, I bet that big flag in the flagpole is still out in the parking lot. I can hear it like flapping in the wind every time I would go there. And of course it was. There's this flagpole, like right before you go in the prison, the flag is like one of those ginormous American flags. Right. But when Jan told me that, I'm like, I'm like why did that clinic shut down? So, you know, these 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 people in this prison need legal help. The system is designed to block inmates from advocating for themselves, everything from the copying machine. For example, if, if the copying machine works and you want to make a copy, it costs 25 cents a page to make a copy, 25 cents a page. To send an email, it costs... Five cents a minute that you're on the prison email system to make a phone call. Although phone calls are free now because of COVID, but normally phone calls cost up to 20 cents a minute, depending on where you're calling. So the prison basically exploits its own inmates, its own residents, the majority of whom have very little or no money to fund itself. And it totally gets in the way of advocacy for themselves. It's really an exploitive quasi business model public facility that you know <laughs> Look, I I Dr. West, I don't know if you know this but I used to actually do criminal defense work and I I edited a book in 1996 called The Real War on Crime published by Harper Perennial. Mm. And I, I, it's very bizarre. I was a young lawyer then out of law school, and I wrote more as an academic. I did research and relied on stuff. I think it's a pretty good book called The Real War on Crime. And it, it, at that point, it identified various issues like the prison industrial complex and the long sentences in the U.S. And we don't have more crime in the U.S., although we have 25 percent of the world's prison population, 5 percent of the world's population. It's not because we have more crime. It's because our sentences are so long. Mm-hmm. And it's business, in my view. So I wrote about this in 1996, and then I end up 25 years later inhabiting the other side of the cell and the other side of the fence and really the darkest part of the system. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's just been <laughs> an extraordinary journey for me. You wow. go from writing about it to being in it and then noticing all these little details that illustrate points i was making 25 years ago but it's even worse now
1: it was it was there anything you learned that surprised you as some, i mean obviously you know obviously know the subject and know a lot about it but being on the other side was there anything that really just surprised you that you could not know unless you were in in there
5: yes and see i'm i'm not naive because i i've been in 50 prisons as a lawyer but i was a few things that just blew my mind. I mean, one is I, I couldn't believe how isolating it is. Like I thought I'd go in and I'd get visitors at least two, three times a week. I thought I would talk on the phone a lot. Um no. First of all, because of COVID, I mean, there were people who hadn't had a visitor for three, four, five years. I mean, guys with kids couldn't see their children, their spouses, their partners. I was lucky enough, and I demanded visitors, and I had three visits in 45 days. I had two of them were lawyer visits, and one was my wife. And the lawyer visits were like a hassle. Like the people who arranged them were like, they could, they were just bothered, you know, that I would demand a lawyer visit. And the reason is there's total staff shortage. they They don't prioritize visits. They don't prioritize contact with the outside. And it got really, really lonely. And the other thing is, there's no inflow of ideas, okay? There's no internet access, which is very unusual because in many state prisons, you have internet access, okay? There's no internet access allowed. That cuts off online education. I mean, how many universities around the world now offer free college degrees online? Couldn't access that. Um, And then because there's no lectures, there's no, you know... You basically sit around and socialize with the other people there. And then the stories start to kind of repeat themselves because people are just talking about their own experience in the prison for the most part. And you end up kind of living off your own fumes. And, you know, and now, having said that, there's there's a tremendous amount of camaraderie, humanity, support. You know, it's another thing I didn't expect. There's more respect for each other on the inside than people have for each other on the outside. I I can't even tell. That is so true, guys. Like inmates, I hate the word inmate. The residents (laughs) have respect for each other. I've never seen such respect. I mean, I'm in a unit. I'll, I'll leave, like, my towel by mistake in the shower. I mean, I was leaving stuff all over the place. I couldn't focus. People like, Hey, you left your towel in the shower, you know, where I left, you know, my notebook. I was keeping a journal, you know, up in the TV room. Hey, is this yours? I mean, people would just go out of their way to give you your property back. You know, um, people were very respectful of each other's space. I mean, there's very little physical space to be alone, to think, to get privacy. There's no privacy. So if there's a little bit of space, like, hey, do you mind if I go sit with you? Do you mind if I go over here? I see you're there. Do you mind if I read a book in this chair? Um, Extremely respectful environment, supportive. Inmates help each other craft legal briefs and they share information. Everyone's rooting for each other. For example, when I got word I was going to get released, I had like just that last evening. I can't tell you the number of people who hugged me, came up to me. We're so happy. Oh my God, we're so happy. You're getting out of this H hole. That's what someone said to me. And people are genuinely happy when someone leaves and people are very supportive of each other in the process of advocating to get out. I mean, it, I'm still processing this experience. Uh, I'm I'm humbled by it and I'm astounded by it. And you know, I don't know what it all means. I need to take some time and really think about it. I, I, I feel the pain of my brothers inside. And I was only there 45 days. Oh, my God. I mean, Neff, 17 years, you know, the conversations we had. You know, I was, I've grown up with every privilege a man could ask for. You know, I went to Harvard Law School. No disrespect to Harvard. This guy grew up with almost nothing. And we, the way we communicated and shared those realities. And, you know, I plan on trying to talk to his lawyer and help that gentleman get a fair shot to cut his sentence short. Because it's a waste of taxpayer money and it's a waste of a human life but not just him. There's so many people in that position. So it was just an extraordinary experience on so many levels and it's with me and I'm not turning my back on it. You know, I'm not at all.
0: I wonder if they were afraid that you, were you offering like legal advice to the people you you...
5: No, I mean, I made it very clear. I mean, first of all, I was a lawyer and people figured that out pretty quickly. Um, but remember, because of Judge Kaplan and Chevron, I've been disbarred in New York. Right. I'm not a lawyer, although I have 30 years of practice experience as a lawyer. I'm I'm no longer a lawyer, and even if I was, I wouldn't go into prison and do that. It's not. It's, I made it very clear to people, like, look, I'll hear what you have to say and give you my opinion, but it's not legal advice, and I'm not representing you. And you know, but if I started going down that road, I it's all I would have done. I mean, there's so much need and demand, you know, for that kind of service, which, again, I'm calling on Yale Law School. Yeah. Oh, we're
0: going to make a thing. We'll make a hashtag. <laughs> Shame on Yale.
3: So, Stephen, if you get, when you get exonerated, will you be reinstated as a lawyer, as a, as a part and parcel of that motion? Or?
5: I, I hope. I mean, I'll say this. I was disbarred based on a ruling by Judge Kaplan without a jury. I never had a hearing to challenge what I would argue are his false findings of fact against me that were never reviewed by a jury, by an impartial fact finder. So I was disbarred as part of Chevron's attack. Um, I have not been disbarred in a second jurisdiction, the District of Columbia, although I have been suspended there, but I am hoping to get my law license back um, after the dust settles. Uh, I'm not going to obsess about it. I'm not going to overly focus on it, but I'm hoping that out of all of this, the movement we're seeing to really expose the unfairness of this process, that I will be able to get my law license back. Very
3: good we want exoneration reinstatement investigation into the circumstances and and most of all that they start that they pay that judgment
5: and you know what else i want to just point this out how extraordinary it is dr west that the united nations working group on arbitrary detention ruled against the u.s government in my case as i understand that i'm only the second u.s citizen to ever get the benefit of this kind of u.n decision i mean and, and, you know, the, state, the U.S. State Department, when, the, when this group, it's called the Working Group on Arbitrary Detention, WGAD, has ruled against other countries, ordering them to release people held arbitrarily. For example, a country called Iran. The U.S. government is the first to jump on the bandwagon and demand implementation of the U.N. decision. When the UN rules against the US on the rare occasions they do, and they did in my case, total silence. Mm. Been no response by the Biden administration or the Department of Justice to an incredible decision by five esteemed international jurists ordering my immediate release and ordering the US government to pay me compensation for the fact I sat in my home for two years and two months and couldn't do anything because I was arbitrarily detained on U.S. soil, and not even my own congressman, Jerry (laughs) Natler, would even visit me or acknowledge it, and we found out his son works for a Chevron law firm. But the point is.
3: The same month, that all happened in 2018, Stephen, because I looked into it. He got hired the same time that um, Gibson Dunn, uh, Preska, uh, came on board, right? 2018? Yeah, so, it's not there's no accidents here.
5: No, no. And 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 but we're going to press this and, you know, we're going to demand compensation. We're going to hopefully hire an economic expert to sort of measure how we can frame how much they should pay for this violation of international law. And we're going to demand it. You know, now, will the U.S. government pay it? I mean, they should, you know, and we're going to pressure for that and we're not going to let up. And by the way, you know, it's not like I want the money personally, okay? But by depriving me of my freedom arbitrarily, they deprived tens of thousands of people of Ecuador, their choice of counsel. They stymied the case, the bigger case, to collect the money for the pollution. And they caused a tremendous amount of suffering and death by delaying the process of cleanup. So we're going to be pressing this and obviously pressing for. Enforcement of the judgment so that the, the more important issue, as I said at the outset, which is compensation to those dying in Ecuador right now for this pollution, it, you know, that needs to happen. It needs to happen soon.
0: And Dr. West, do you have any comments or questions? I want to make sure you have a chance to.
5: Well,
2: yeah, I'm just, I'm just so deeply uh, overwhelmed by both my dear brother's eloquence as well as his example. And uh, it's just another uh, uh, reason, you know, why we fight. Make sure that the light inside of him and us is never crushed by the powerful, thinking they can intimidate us in such a way that we defer, that we kowtow. And uh, this is this is what is so profoundly uplifting about your words as well as your deeds, my brother. Now, you can get my private uh, communications with Sister Katie in terms of any support I can provide Thank you. for you in terms of, you know, fundraising, letter, or singing a song to me and Sister Lucy get together. on, You know, but whatever it is, whatever it is, you just let me know, those fellas, because... Uh, uh, it's 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 tremendously inspiring and empowering and yet at the same time um, well we are up against some goliath-like um, forces and they are mighty but they are not all mighty
5: yes and they're not that's, invincible
2: that's the crucial thing to keep in mind and hmm. carry the spirit you know with the with the brothers in the in the prisons now we were just talking about brother chris uh so. Hedges, he and I taught in roadway prison. I've talked prison for fifty-one years, going back to Norfolk when I was there in college in Cambridge uh, at Harvard, uh, mm-hmm. with with the brothers, and then been teaching in prisons ever since. So it's nice to be multi-contextual to make that move from Harvard to Yale, right. to the prisons, all that every year. So you it keeps, gives you a sense of different realities, same humanity, rich creativity and intelligence some of them having a death sentence inside the prison, each and every one of us having a death sentence in space and time.
5: Yeah, very true. And, you know, Brother Hedges, his books were in the prison library, some of his books, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the work that you've done, he's done, so many people have done around this issue is inspiring to me. And informs a great deal of my thinking. I'm, I'm hoping, by the way, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I wrote every day and I, I, I got to like look back at what I wrote. I think there's a real story in my brief stay, my 45 day stay. Um, I, I had a very kind of, you know, because I was so not used to it, I, I felt like I had a very keen eye crazy stuff that a lot of people there just had gotten so used to they considered it normal, but it shouldn't be normal. And I'm hoping to write about it in some way, shape, or form. I highly encourage
2: that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm highly encouraged. I'd love to write a blurb on the back, too. That. Oh, that's, well, maybe that, that'll that push me over the hump, <laughs> but I tell you. But that's a given, brother. That that's is given. a given um, tell you that right now. I'd love to read it and be able to Right, that powerful blurb just to keep keep the emotion going. You know what I, I mean? I appreciate it.
5: I, I uh, your words mean so much to me. I mean, I the crazy thing is like I followed you for so many years reading your stuff and seeing you on various, you know, platforms like this or, or the regular TV. And I'm honored to be with you in this moment. And let's let's do it again because we we, we have a lot to talk about. No, absolutely, absolutely. I had a
2: seven thirty events, but I, I'm so glad I got a chance to push that back because I got a chance to stay and get in on all of this rich spirit and powerful witness and beautiful smiles, especially around holiday season. With so many people fading away and and dying and getting crushed that we still got our bounce back. Hmm. That's the key.
5: That's the question. Like, 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 like. I'm gonna just point out, like Lucy Lawless. Showed up at my door about two months ago. I never met her. I know she's famous, but I've never heard of her because I don't. I'm just so removed from pop culture these days. She's the Princess Warrior, Xena Princess Warrior, and she showed up out of nowhere. And you know, we posted something on Twitter, and you know, we end up becoming very close friends. And she went. She went to Ecuador. Yeah. And met the people on her own. Mm. So and this was
0: about- re- this was that recently that you went up, you did that, Lucy?
5: Oh yeah, a month ago, I guess. No, I mean when did you when did you come to New York and and look me up? Was it August? Oh, very bad time. Dunno. Okay. But um yes it was I- very recently.
0: And then when I didn't realize it was
3: so recent that you went yeah. I didn't realize it was wow. Well I text, yeah. I looked him up on um uh, my son alerted me to this story. and In fact, no, it was October 1st because I was online looking at what's going on on the um, court lists because I'm always looking at court cases, right? And I couldn't I knew, negotiate I the, New, the New York system. There were too many courthouses. My son alerted me to your story and I went, oh, my God, I missed the um, protest for him because I did know about you because of the judgment, the 9.5. Billion dollar judgment, which had been 17 million and unfortunately got cut down for a reason I don't understand. But anyway, 17 billion, sorry. Um, Anyway, I looked you up on Twitter and it said, follows you. I was like, oh my God, he follows me? How's that possible? Because I'm an old time um, (laughs) activist against Shell and Chevron and everything. Anyway, um, I DM'd him and he said, oh, come on over. I was like, okay, I've showed up, but then you're immediately in the um, in in the Stephen's world, and it's it's a fascinating place to be. You know, it's a pretty it's an exciting place to be because it's 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 the crucible, isn't it? You all understand that, you know, when you're working on something that is in line with your spirit and your all your beliefs are fully engaged, you get a lot of energy. You get your bounce. That's
2: right. Keep your balance.
3: You got to keep your balance. That's good. I like
2: that.
5: That bounce going. That's yeah, because
3: it feeds you, nourishes you. you
5: know, know, and like you know, Katie I met recently, and she's been incredibly supportive of the people of Ecuador and David. I mean, you know, it's just amazing how people are stepping up, and I, you know, I'm humbled, and I'll say this before we. Part ways tonight. Um, You know, in Danbury, the prison, you know, obviously there's a lot of people of color. Most of the people there are people of color. Um, In Ecuador, where Chevron polluted, 98% of the victims are people of color, indigenous peoples and farmers. Um, These injustices are connected. Mm. And You know, the the corporate pollution and the benefits certain companies and individuals get politically or monetarily from warehousing people of color in US prisons, it's all connected. Let's not kid ourselves. That's right. And, you know, for me to go from the Ecuador issue, which mostly concerns indigenous rights. To the U.S. prison issue, which largely concerns over-incarceration, focus primarily on communities of color, the distance is not that far. It's actually a short distance. And, you know, I, 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 let me be clear. I don't want to romanticize prison. It's, it's hard. It's tough. It's brutal. I don't want to go back to prison if I can avoid it. But having been forced to go there, you know, I'm a better person for it. I think I'm more sensitized to certain things, and I hope to be a better advocate for those I care about going forward as a result of the experience, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, my brother.
0: So, yeah, let us know how we can support the cause, what we need to do to make sure that Chevron pays up um but even then it's it's like they'll never be able to get back the lives that they extinguished just through their pure greed um but we want to know how we can support that um i also wanted to just come in kind of full circle i know stephen you're joining us on thursday for our assange um stream right marianne right I'm not, yep. Okay. You did. Um, and Cornell was going, wanted to join, but wasn't free. And so we're going to be using some of this conversation for that. But the, what reminds me of that is how you're talking about the kind of implicit um, inherent racism of this system. And, you know, Julian Assange who's behind bars and who they're really trying to, to kill behind bars, you know, his, he revealed among the many things he revealed with that collateral murder video, And it's just so permissible to kill Iraqis, to kill people in the Middle East, that the fact that this person revealed that video and he's the one behind bars, none of the people who actually shot down civilians have faced any time in jail, much like with the CIA torture program, the one person to pay any price at all is John Kiriakou, who is the one person who exposed it. I mean, we just live in such a, an inverted world. It's so topsy-turvy. And you, of course, Stephen, were the one person to pay any price for the injustice that you helped expose and tried to help compensate. It's just, it, so your your story is inspiring. And it's also, we have to keep going for you and for all we have to free all political prisoners also.
5: Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Who do we contact first? What's the call to action? Well, for Stevens?
5: On my end, please go to our freedonziger.com website. I mean, remember I'm not free. I'm still detained. I'm, I'm, as I sit in my home right now, I'm under the custody of the Bureau of Prisons, just to be clear. Um, And we need resources to, you know, Chevron has used 60 law firms and 2000 lawyers against me and my clients. And we have a great group of small group of lawyers, but we need resources. So if you can afford to pitch in a little bit, go to the website, freedonziger.com. Even if you can't sign up for the campaign, we have, by the way, 40,000 people who have signed up over the last couple of years around the world. You know, so we're, we're trying to build We're trying to go from like a campaign to a movement that also can take on larger human rights issues in the fossil fuel industry that people don't have the resources to take on or the expertise. I mean, we have a lot of we've, you know, one of the benefits of being attacked for 10 years, like I have, is we've gained experience in dealing with it. Mm -hmm. So for small favors. I know. Trying to build out, build that out a little bit. You know, we need we need help. So that's one thing you can do. And and the call to action also is to demand the Department of Justice implement the U.N. decision and shut down this case um, and get in conformity with international law. You know, the, the, the United Nations decision is based on international legal instruments, including the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, both of which the United States has signed and is obligated under law to adhere to. So, you know, I would argue that the United States is obligated to comply with this UN decision based on our own domestic law. Um, And we need to keep pressuring the United States to comply with the law. I mean, look, we all know the United States government is a very mixed bag. (laughs) I'm not naive. But, you know, all of these types of positive movements we've seen in our history are the result, as we all know, Dr. West in particular, perhaps, of citizen pressure, of organizing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. People sacrificing, you know, they don't just happen. You know, power seeds nothing without a demand, as Frederick Douglass said way back. And it's like I've carried that through within my whole professional life, you know, not that <laughs> basic truth. And we need to keep demanding we can get there again. I believe, you know, these forces are not invincible. They're mighty, but not almighty. As you said, Dr. West, Absolutely. we can get there. And I'm, I'm excited about the future and at least in terms of really getting the recovery that the people of Ecuador need, I think it can really happen. And I think it's the kind of acts that you and sister
2: Lucy and brother Leslie and sister Katie represent in which you have genuine solidarity you see, we've got to be able to keep yeah. the moral and the spiritual dimensions up front so people mm-hmm. can see that we're talking about precious human beings, no matter what color, gender, sexual orientation, and so forth. But to the degree to which we remain so divided and balconized, it makes it difficult to come together because the powers that be are not playing games. They've got their greed. They've got their blinders. They've got their strategies of reproducing themselves at the top, and the solidarity becomes more and more pressing as things become more dim and grim with the planet. The the oligarchs, the plutocrats, the white supremacists, the male supremacists, the homophobes—you know, the haters of Jews and the Arabs and Palestinians and Muslims and so forth, as indigenous peoples and so on. But we can't um, we can't be in any way discouraged. We can't just look up and be overwhelmed. We've got to be grounded and keep on moving. Yeah. Well, keep set. your bounce.
3: The yeah. bounce.
2: Back Keeps to that the bounce, bounce, baby. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Capital B. Mm-hmm. That's
0: great. Well, thank you guys for for bringing the bounce tonight. Keeping up the bounce as we move we thank forward. thank you.
2: We thank you, Sister
0: Katie. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, this is so great.
1: Yes, absolutely great show. I did want to mention quickly, uh, Lucy. You have been so diligent in this, even when you were promoting your recent uh, film, "The Spine of Night," which is a, a great film, an epic Conan the Barbarian <laughs> style animated fantasy. You mentioned in the interview Ecuador and Steven Donziger when people when the <laughs> that is real diligence uh, right there. You tied it into the themes of the film.
3: Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, this is everything. This touches justice in America and how it's been perverted by extraction industries who are just licking their chops about how they can manipulate, uh, how they can just pay no attention to any law in any country ever. This This is a test case for them, make no mistake. It touches on human decency. It touches on, you know, families and what they have done to Stephen's family. How dare you deprive... A person of their their ability to provide for their son, their child. You know that makes, just enrages me. On and um, yeah, and <laughs> you know Stephen just uh, represents th- probably hundreds of thousands of other people who are in the same boat in America. But um, this is a very important case for on on every level. I think you're right, though. Keep your balance right because it keeps us. Uh, buoyant and it keeps us able to move forward. Otherwise you get very very down and very innovative and you're no good to anyone. So that's crucial. So thank you for that.
5: Yeah. Very much so. I mean, I didn't really truly understand solidarity until I was in this position. I felt nothing but solidarity from so many people around the world. And oh my God, does that make makes all the difference in the world. It allows me to get up every day in this situation. It's now been two and a half years and feel pretty good fight ready let's roll yeah. keep going exactly right
0: and for people who haven't followed this story i always think this is a stunning quote it's not going to be very bounce inspiring except maybe we'll inspire some infuriated bouncing but uh the judge who sentenced steven said out loud in her decision donziger has spent this the last seven years seven-plus years thumbing his nose at the U.S. judicial system, it seems that only the proverbial two-by-four between the eyes will instill in him any respect for the law. It seems that only the proverbial two-by-four between the eyes will instill in him any respect for the law. I mean, like, don't, I'm not a, I don't have a law degree, but I feel like I'd be a very bad law student if I graduated and thought that that was an okay way to write things.
3: Yeah, but I think she gets bonuses for insults. Right? Probably insult to injury, like catching. She's like yeah. doing the accounting in her head, got a little abacus underneath the the uh, bloody judge's desk. Yeah, um, yeah, malicious use of process. The whole thing is just appalling-like,
0: not even any facade of, of judicious, you know, impartiality, just total s- sadistic glee.
2: It turned she must have been be- so upset
0: when she found out you were released from prison. My gosh. I hope she was sitting down.
2: But it, and it turns out to be such a real compliment of our brother. <laughs> of course. That kind of language coming from those quarters, you got to be doing something right.
0: Yeah. right? <laughs> you should put that on your card. There's the belts, baby. Yeah, the belts. <laughs> That's exactly right.
2: That's
0: what all. Well, so I'm telling you
2: very yeah. much so. Yeah.
0: That very should go on the back so. of your book. That's a blurb right there.
2: Yeah, when people on Pontius Pilate's payroll are saying that kind of thing about you, you don't even have to be religious to know you got to be doing something right.
5: Right on. I like the thinking. Yep. Yep. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you guys so much, much for Katie. your time,
2: your no, generosity, all your yeah. struggle.
0: Yeah, this is great. Yeah, I'm so glad we nice, all this got this to the thank
2: magnificent show. Thing Thank you, Katie. Awesome here. Thank you so nice. much. Very, very special. Very special.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Stephen, for bringing us all together.
0: Yeah.
5: Love you guys. Thank you. Love for, you, love 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 you
0: all. Keep let's doing do this it. one day in person.
5: Always let's be back, bouncing. Let's get back together after the holidays and continue yeah. the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Always be bouncing. So good Great. to have you.
0: Welcome home, Stephen.
2: Thank you. That's exactly so good to have you out of, out of prison, though, brother. I tell you. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate oh, it. Thanks Lord, so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Best of Harvard. The best of Harvard. I'm telling you, there's a true <laughs>
0: Harvard. There is a true Harvard now. It? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're going to definitely be able to you. feel like any,
5: any big institution has a lot of complexity, right? That That's exactly right. And a lot of different kind of folk, different kind of yep. people. Yeah.
2: That's exactly right. Indeed. You all take good care now.
4: Okay.
0: Right, you Thank too. You so much. Thank you so much.
2: Have a good one.
0: Wow, Leslie. Wow. Was that, that a great might, show or what? I think
1: that might have been the best one. I think that I mean, might have been the best amazing, one. Right? I've, and we I've had been,
0: we had everything: the justice, yeah. entertainment,
1: you know, hope,
0: hope, bounce,
1: bounce. That, that was, was so a really great. Great, show. Very, great show. Great, great show. Thank you so right? much to the chat.
0: Yes, thank you, chat, for all your great chats. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for people who donated to the Donziger stream um, because people did that during our our Donziger stream. And, um, it was great. And we, uh, cut him a check and you guys, I just want to make sure, you know, Leslie, we should have prepared a, uh, a list of, yeah, by the way, guys, everyone give this video a thumbs up to increase visibility on mobile. You have to close the chat momentarily to access the like button. Thank you, Albert for that helpful tip. And this is something it's a, you know, everyone's saying, thank, thanks for the show. I really appreciate it. And it would be great if you could. Just thank us back by giving a like. It's effortless, right? We would really appreciate that. And it's it would just be great and spread the word about the show, which we gotta do. Once again, I just this is what I was gonna say. Sorry, Leslie, before I got distracted by a very helpful tip from Albert, which is that once we were talking about how we would definitely rather put some other journalists in jail, like free Assange. And put some journalists. If we have to have some journalists behind bars, (laughs) it should definitely be Jim Acosta who refused to condemn Assange's treatment at an event for his own book at the museum of like the Freedom of Speech Museum or Museum of the First Amendment in Washington, DC. Yeah.
1: At the Freedom of Speech
0: Museum. Like he wouldn't, he said he couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't give a statement. He'd have to look into it. It's pretty simple, guys. Pretty simple. You just—the only thing to say about Assange is free him, free Assange. Yeah. And Daniel Ellsberg wants to free him. Everyone respects Daniel Ellsberg, Pentagon Papers, as they should respect him. So, it's kind of conceited and and arrogant and um, ignorant to imagine that you know more about what makes um, a brave person, or even just a
1: journalist yeah, Even just right. what is journalism?
0: right? Exactly. That's the only real yeah.
1: question. That's all the only real question. Obviously, you know, if it's work that's been published in every single newspaper outlet, it's journalism. I don't know what the <laughs> what there is to debate about that. And right. why like, so many uh, mainstream journalists seem confused about it.
0: Yeah, well, uh, this is great. Make sure you come out on Thursday to our show. We're gonna have great guests. Glenn Greenwald's going to be there. students are in. Daniel Ellsberg, Roger Waters, all the people on the right side of history. And yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're gonna definitely only th- hold on. Are we up two more for a thousand likes? Is that likes?
1: I believe so, yeah.
0: Probably. Wow, guys, just two more likes. Come on. Someone <laughs> like it. Brad, like the stream. Tyler, like the stream. Brushka like the stream. And that's everyone who I also want to thank for the show. Okay. It looks like we got to a thousand. Oh, what time? Um, Yay. We have a thousand likes. Uh, I didn't see Mehdi Hassan's backhanded defense of of Assange, but um, the, the stream is seven 30. Okay. Seven 30 PM Thursday, Thursday, December. I can't believe we're in December 16th already. It's going to be December 16th, seven 30 PM at youtube.com slash the Katie helper show crystal ball, Marion Williamson and I, and Kyle we were all joining forces. Bree would be there if she could, but she's traveling for the holidays. Cause we did. Brianna Joy Gray was of course, part of our great stream last week, which may or may not have freed Steven Donziger.
1: I kept I mean, it on. you're one. You're one for one so far.
0: One for one. Oh my God. If we get Assange out and thank you very much, Brian, we're one for one. So it's 7.30 p.m. EST, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. And it will be at youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. I already made the link. So it's already in my, in my you know, under the Katie Helper Show playlist. And it's going to be a great night. Anything else, Leslie? Anything you want to talk about?
1: Oh, I just want to mention, uh, you can check me out on struggle session, patreon.com slash struggle session. Or you can also check out my new show uh, on the call in app. It's only on iPhones now. Um, but we're talking about different culture. I think we'll do a show tomorrow night. If you're into wrestling, I think we'll do a show after. There's a big wrestling show uh tomorrow night. I think we'll do a, a call in show after that. If you want to talk wrestling or politics, Katie, we're gonna have to get you on. I know. Talk about what one the hell? of these shows that we've been yeah. we are talking about. We actually did I have you I watched a little bit of the new sex in the city. Have you seen? Oh,
0: that? and just like that, or whatever yeah, called?
1: and just like that. It's, it's kind so of a good name. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny because they. Is so negative on the characters, like they understand, like everyone who meets them hates them, and it's like, first of all, you're not woken off enough. Second of all, you're corny as well. Like they can't win on any level. Uh, it's so, is a at least the first couple episodes. I'm sure it'll all work out, but so far it's been a pretty, uh, a pretty in- interesting revival because most of these revivals are about nostalgia, and this one is about actually all the characters on the show were kind of were pretty awful people. And no one would want to be around them right. uh, now. Very different uh, show.
0: So you kind of hate watched it?
1: No, it's a good show. No, it's I uh, no the new season, The new stuff yeah. is good because they're criticizing the old uh, stuff. The old show was is, is okay. I still think it's kind of funny, but it never really absorbs the idea. That the characters are bad. Speaking, I see what you're saying. Speaking of, I've been watching a lot of Curb lately.
0: You know, I'm so behind on Curb, but... Uh, mm.
1: Talk I, about... I mean, Leon is basically like a co-main star. Talk about black Jewish... Jewish, Jewish solidarity. Know, solidarity. Like um, He just always... He likes basically half his show.
0: Wow. That's great. I got to watch it. I, I didn't watch... I didn't even watch the... I stopped watching like before the Seinfeld reunion happened.
1: Oh, so you're way behind. I'm way behind, yeah. I mean, Larry—he gets worse every year. The last one, he was trying to take a Klan men outfit to the dry cleaner. <laughs> it's obviously as as a Jewish person, he bumped into a cleansman at coffee and he spilled it on his, you know, his new whites, and it was like you gotta. Get this clean for me. Like, I, it, yeah, I'm a white supremacist, but still, we have a basic rules of society have the function. And Larry David ends up agreeing and he convinces the dry cleaner who is also Jewish to agree. It's so, it's very wild. Oh, very I gotta
0: wild. watch that one. That yeah. sounds really funny. Yeah. I've been watching Succession, which I know I'm like so oh, behind. I'm yeah. just on the first season.
1: Oh, it gets, I found it, I got, I, it was really hard for me to get into the first season in yeah. the second one but the third one I really liked and I think I'm gonna go back and watch
0: oh wow yeah yeah and um what else is there that I'm watching I still would like you to watch the killing
1: I know you keep reminding me you gotta the watch it
0: do it for you Michelle gotta Forbes. Watch
1: it. I gotta watch it I gotta watch it I love Michelle Forbes and that's Sharp good. Objects Sharp Objects too yes thank you
0: oh and a true story you gotta watch a true story
1: a true story oh yes 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 that's one I want to see have you seen yellow jackets see that's your type of show no, and I've what's already that? been watching Oh, it's really you. Really like it. it's about these teen girls who they were like um, a volleyball team, I think, really good. But they crash. They're playing. They get on a. They're on a small plane to some big match, you know, some state national match, and it crashes in the woods. And they end up forming some weird cult and killing each other. But then the survivors end up leaving the island and going back to their re- regular lives. But they didn't tell anybody what really happened. Oh my god! Did and you so just, now- did you
0: just spoil it?
1: No, no, no. That's no. like the premise. Oh, that's, that's the, the premise. premise. Got it. Okay, good.
0: Premise. Yeah, we've all seen Beast Town*. We even talked about it.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Show. Good show. Good show.
0: Yeah, good show. Yeah. We had a bit of a moral debate about it, though.
1: The, oh, about whether the kid was guilty. I forget. Oh
0: no, whether or not. Well, don't say, guys. If you're watching this on a delay, go get. I don't know how to warn against that, but no, about the. And mora- I'm not going to give it away, but about the morality of what. Oh, she did. Oh, okay. I say she was bad on many, on many counts. She never dealt. <laughs> she needed to blame herself more for certain things, less yes, for certain she, things, and mo- and more for other things.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. She yeah. does not escape the ace uh, a cab uh, label. But hey, I actually wanted to mention Lucy's show. She's only she's an ex cop, private investigator. So oh, hey,
0: there So you don't have to <laughs> wrestle with your your propaganda feelings.
1: No. Yeah, and it takes place in uh, Australia and the U and the New Zealand. So I mean, they didn't literally start a slave catch, <laughs> right? So Different, that. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, one day we're gonna have to go on tour, hit New Zealand, Australia.
1: Oh, absolutely! I on love international
0: it. International tour, yeah. All right. Well, this was amazing. And um, can we watch one thing before we close out?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: All right, I, I watched this with Matt Taibbi the other day, but I think it's worth watching because, well, there's a couple things. Let's see. You know what I love watching, right? Is um, case study QB. We're going to do some case study QB watches.
6: Thinking about what wins elections and not <laughs> in deep blue districts. Okay. I think that it, it is um, a time for uh, some, you know, careful thinking about what wins elections and not just in deep blue districts where a Democrat and a liberal Democrat or so-called progressive Democrat is going to win. First of all, we don't know what the state of the map is going to be after all of the redistricting. It appears as though the Republicans in a number of states are doing their best to eliminate um, as many seats that Democrats can be uh, competitive in. Uh, And so we've got to be very clear eyed about what it's going to take to hold the House and the Senate in 2022. I understand why people want to argue for their priorities. That's what they believe they were elected to do. But at the end of the day, nothing is going to get done if you don't have a Democratic majority in the House and the Senate. And our majority comes from people who win in much more difficult districts. And our majority in the Senate comes from people who can win in not just blue states, and hold those wins, as we saw didn't happen in Virginia, um, but to win in uh, more purplish uh, states.
1: But it already didn't happen.
6: <laughs> <Out. I know. laughs>
1: it, already, it already didn't happen.
6: They already lost. It's good, and it, it gives people a, a chance to be part of the process. But at the end of the day, it means nothing if we don't have a Congress that will get things done and we don't have a white house that we can count on to be sane and sober and stable and productive.
0: Oh, Hillary.
1: Oh, Hillary. Um, I don't know what to say. They, they lost in Virginia. Those weren't far left.
0: Like, I know.
1: The okay.
0: Now we have Claire McCaskill who has about as much of a leg to stand on as Hillary Clinton does, given that she's also a loser.
1: Yeah. She lost.
4: Yeah, we're
0: right. Uh
1: Some, you know. Relate to some of those comments, having to want, and run, and win in exactly the kind of place she's talking about hard places for Democrats to win. I think she's also obliquely referring to people like Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin. He said, Well, you can criticize Joe Manchin all you want, but if he doesn't win in West Virginia, then Who's we don't.
0: going to deny this us our $15 minimum wage.
4: Yeah, you know, Hillary Clinton pointing this out is really really a big deal. And I hope that the progressive wing of my party takes it to heart. The power comes from a majority. The majority comes from the middle because we're not talking about places that are bright blue. We're talking about places where they do care whether or not parents feel like they have any control over their child's school. Forget about what specifically they're teaching. It's about Understanding that in these times, parents and a lot of these parents in the suburbs, women, mothers in the suburbs, came to Joe Biden because he was the candidate of the middle, not that he was the candidate of the extreme. And if we don't get that, if we spend all our time talking about the things that bright blue places want to focus on and not on the things that moderates want to hear We are not going to hold the majority. And Mitch McConnell and either Speaker Donald Trump or Speaker Kevin McCarthy uh, will completely blow up the last two years of Biden administration. And the things we really care about could really go by the wayside. God forbid that Donald Trump get reelected to another term as president.
0: All right. Thanks for your thoughts, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Thank thank you, you, Claire.
1: Thank you once again, Claire. You
0: know she's been a
1: like consultant slash commentator since she lost her election. I know that's what if, makes
0: you a win. That's what makes you good for MSNBC if you're a loser or a former Bush aide.
1: I just wonder, like, um, she has all those people's numbers. Do they not take her advice? What I mean more broadly speaking is she's had nothing to do but tell Democrats how to win. And yet Democrats keep losing. Or are they just not taking her calls or something? Because I think if she knew, like, what to do or if Hillary Clinton knew what to yeah, do not or how to win, calls? like, like, what's going on? Like, why are we only hear them talking smack and this or that? you know vc funded brand new outlet that they're in right isn't like wasn't that hillary clinton video? was it from like master class or something well i know she's, oh, doing, result. A
0: masterclass. she's doing a master class now yeah yeah
1: Oof, i didn't mean where she much. reads the speech she would have given <laughs> if she oh had God. won the election what the most pathetic thing i've ever heard in my entire life that's just
0: so pathetic great so and
1: that almost people have to
0: pay for that
1: yeah, you had to pay for it
0: How many imagine are- the kind of masochist who would pay money to to I mean there are a lot of people who are obsessed with Hillary Clinton as we know
1: I mean it's people who just like her a lot I guess like I mean that's what master has just become you pay people with a little bit too much money like a dentist or something that goes and pays like a bunch of money to get like YouTube videos from someone they like from a, from their favorite youtuber instead of it being, like you know, I don't. I, I don't know any of the YouTubers that drop. Instead of it being Hassan for for, right. for say, it's uh, Hillary, and you're paying for like, and you. And since you're like upper middle class, you pay fifteen dollars a month instead of like doing the Twitch subscription. It's basically the same thing. It's Twitch for bougie people. It's, bougie, uh,
0: bougie Twitch. Got it. Okay. Yes. That's crazy. Well. Anyway, this has been great. Leslie, thank you so much for for joining tonight. I'm glad you could make it. And Uh, um, I will see everyone here. I'll see you Thursday, uh, December 16th at 7.30 p.m. We'll be freeing Assange. Oh, absolutely. Marianne Williamson, Crystal Ball, Kyle Kalinske, Glenn Greenwald, uh, Margaret Kimberly friend of both shows friend of the struggle session and the katie helper show um uh gabriel shipton who's julian assange's brother uh stella morris his fiance and many 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 more bye everyone good night and make sure you become patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the katie helper show again that's patreon.com slash the katie helper show And for listening to the katie helper show if you like the show please join the patreon at patreon.com slash the katie helper show again that's patreon.com slash the katie helper show please leave us a five-star review on itunes and as always we remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners our show is produced by me katie helper nick palm brad bloom is our audio engineer and an associate producer on the show our researcher is joshua bregman And our theme song is by the band Cordova. See you next time.